Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey everybody, this is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post, uh, who is helping me navigate life's storms one episode at a time. (laughs) Thank you, Scott. Hi, everybody. Hope you're doing okay out there. Ah, speaking of the stress of life, you know, what what, yes. lis- what listeners don't know is what actually goes on behind the scenes and what <laughs> no. you and I do to prepare for this show. Absolutely. And the, 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 the technology end of this is always, uh, not always, it can be an yes. interesting, bumpy, challenging, <laughs> get your shit together right. Uh-huh. Like how we try to s- check in with each other about 15 to t- 10 to 15 minutes at a time, make sure everything's working. And then when it doesn't work, you have to reboot everything and you get back online right as we're supposed to start. Yeah, you know, I, I used to be in theater, actually. My wife and I ran a, a regional theater company. Oh, and yeah. <clears throat> as a director and uh, actor, and then my wife as a producer and designer, it, it was all, nobody ever knew in the audience what was going on literally up to the moment that the actors stepped on stage and that was the whole key to it was just yes. keep you keep reminding yourself they actually don't know what it's supposed to be no no it's the same thing in event production i mean all the times that you know i i worked for a company where we had a float in the roads rose parade and you would not believe what happens after midnight the day before judging all these beautiful (laughs) these beautiful floats you see and everything that happens to get them ready (laughs) nothing that a little bit of crazy glue and hot glue guns won't fix oh i have worked with enough hot glue glue guns for a lifetime i tell you and how many scars (laughs) do you have on your hands from the burning I have no, I have no idea. Probably too many to count. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm going to share with you something that I did. I'm going to share a dirty little secret of Scott's that I actually, there are two shows that I like reality TV shows that I watch. Um, And don't anybody laugh about it, but Mm. I love Marie Kondo, first of all, and Mm. her KonMari approach to just get rid of stuff that does not bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I lived through that process, as Michelle knows, when we mm-hmm. moved from one location to another a few years ago. Um, but my wife turned me on to a show called The Home Edit, which is based out of Nashville. Mm. Now, unfortunately, The Home Edit has been bought, uh, the, the show and the whole concept, uh, by Reese Witherspoon, of all people, uh, oh. and, and her design company in nashville uh-huh. uh, and in turn she sold her company uh <laughs> for a lot of money and okay. so i've been watching this show and i got and, and the other day we were watching them organize because part of the home edit is 
like ah. like Marie Kondo, getting rid of stuff. Oh, and then they created this thing. Uh, what I'll tell you about in a minute. They created this thing in this person's home, and I, I, I have never done this watching any of these home makeover shows before. I watched it and I went, "Oh, I want one of those." Oh, I want one of those. Uh oh. So I spent the weekend. Okay. Creating a denim and sweater bar. A denim and sweater bar. And it is now in our closet on my side of the of the closet. Okay. And and it is literally what you would see if you walked into a really nice boutique store. So okay. instead of your jeans hanging and things, it is all nicely put. I've got my jeans color coordinated. They're all <laughs> folded. My sweaters are by style, which then led me to. I'm just going to organize the rest of my freaking office or my closet and went through. And because this is what they do, I color coordinated my shirts. Oh. I color, I, I reorganized the section. Uh, I work out a lot. Uh, people know we've talked about it. So I, I reorganized the workout part of the closet. So I had all of my workout shirts in one place and my Lululemon yoga pants in another. And uh-huh. I got to tell you, it felt really good getting organized. Oh, yes. Yes. I have long had my closet organized by color. And, you know, there's a shirt section and a dress section and a pants section. Yes. So I got to tell you, it's life changing. I got to tell you now that said, I've got to tell you the funny part of this. Okay. When you talk about color coordination, because they, they on the home edit do red, orange, yellow, green uh-huh. blue you know the whole colors of the rainbow spectrum uh-huh it's mostly it, black it, it's i've got a whole black oh it's me like, too it's like going into the black hole in my office and yes. i keep calling it my office but my closet um <laughs> you go in there and it's like okay there's a there's a pink shirt yes i wear pink there's a pink shirt and there's a white shirt and it's like black 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 i'm the same I'm the same with a little navy and a little gray <laughs> thrown in for well. So here comes the fun part, folks. And I say <laughs> this to you as a like little life tip. Uh-huh. Number one, I took everything out of the closet, mm-hmm. threw it on the ground, which you're supposed yep. to make piles of this stuff. Threw Pile it all on style. The mm-hmm. Um I found things I forgot. It was like going shopping again. Oh, it is. Yes. When your closet gets over full. Mm -hmm. And and I will readily admit, I found three wonderful shirts and a pair of pants with the tags still on them. I've never worn these. Oh, Scott. (laughs) Maybe they were gifts. No, I bought them. I remember (laughs) buying them. I remember seeing. and, and, And in the move right? Things just get boxed up and then you unpack them. And I had never reorganized this office in three years, the closet in three years. Now, what's the Freudian slip of calling my office, my closet, closet, office office. every time? It's like, Hmm. that should should tell you how much uh, my clothes mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Batman's uniform is important. (laughs) Does it come in black? (laughs) Wow. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that you did that for yourself because it it does feel good to to uh, go shopping in your own closet, clean out the things that don't bring you joy, organize it so you know what's there. And the funny part is, I shared some 
pictures with my sister, who's been a guest on our show before. Yes. And uh, she actually wrote back and she said, is Batman doing that by himself? She wrote that to me and my wife. (laughs) (laughs) And it like came, it like came as quite a surprise to everybody. And even to the point where uh, I I think one of the kids and uh, if not others who know that I've done this have now said, I'm going to do that. Uh, look at and, you inspiring uh, I've nev- people. Well, I've never thought about a denim bar before. And I just I just loved the look of that whole, you know, when you, you walk into, I'm going to call it a Levi's store. It's not really right, Levi's. Right. But, you know, you just see all these these jeans piled up in a yeah. nice one. Now, yeah. the, 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 the next challenge will be for me to keep it that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do keep it that way, it saves so much time. It really does. Staying organized saves so much time. And it just feels, again, it's me because I am a firm believer. When I talk to people about money, for example, mm-hmm. um, I always grew up with the concept that if you respect your money, your money will respect you. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same thing with clothes, right? It's how you do things in your life. You, mm-hmm. If you respect your clothes, your clothes will respect you. They will mm-hmm. wear you. They will wear you well. They will wear you well. Yes. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> How about you? Anything new going on with, with what you have going? Well, you know, there's the private Michelle and then there's what does she want to talk about on the podcast where the world could hear her? <laughs> well, that's okay. So... <laughs> we are, we, we, we're rated raw and uncensored. Yeah, I know. But sometimes I like to keep my embarrassing moments to myself. Um, <laughs> other times I'll talk about them. I will say I picked, you know, it's really cold. And, um, you know, I like to spend a lot of time gardening and because of the periodic freeze warnings, um, it's not a good time to plant or garden. You kind of need to wait for the freeze to, to clear up. So other than weeding, um, which I need to do some more of, I have not been working in the garden. So I picked up painting again. And while I paint, I listened to, um, some sort of book on tape, just like I used to, when I would garden or, you know, audiobook book on tape that dates me, um, <laughs> but an audiobook. And, um, this book that I'm listening to is long overdue. Um, it's called, um, oh shoot. Sister other sister other. Uh, oh, let me get it right. Cause it's, it's really fascinating. It's a list of speeches and, um, essays, um, sister outsider, sorry, by Audre Lorde. It's a, a essays and speeches. And, um, it's a really good book, like helping, helping people understand, um, feminism, the isms, um, the intersectionality of difference. So it kind of reminds me of when your daughter was on Mm-hmm. on air a little bit. And we talked about the intersectionality of generations and uh, LGBTQ community. I highly recommend it. It's on, anyways, uh, Sister Outsider is um, a book that is highly recommended if you feel like you're on a mission to be an anti-racist and you don't want to sit around waiting for um, you know, like expecting people of difference to teach you what their experience is like. Um, so I highly recommend it. And that's, that's what I've been up to lately is painting. So, 
so I'm and, curious. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question because uh-huh. this this could be a whole show at some point. But uh-huh. you mentioned feminism, yeah, and then you mentioned anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, could you, for the audience, the the listening audience, what is your working definition of feminism? How's that for putting you on the spot? It is putting me on the spot because I think Audrey Lord's is so much better than mine. Um, but basically, if, okay, so her definition, I'm going to get it wrong, is that, um, well, uh, being being sexist is her definition. She doesn't define feminism so much. I define feminism as equality between uh, the genders. genders. That's, and that means equality of, of work, of choice, of pay for equal work, et cetera. That's, that's what I define fem- okay. feminism as. And then how does the book, because it fascinates me, I just had this discussion, by the way, with a, a client uh, who didn't realize that they were being bigoted frankly. Mm, Um, mm. And I'm still working with the client because it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, you need to open your eyes and realize this is a very, it's a very odd thing that's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. I've never, I very rarely do I tell a client you're making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, And this was an uncomfortable conversation Okay, because the person thought they were complimenting this group of people. Oh. And it was like, do you, you realize just the fact that you're making that distinction is a uh, bigoted is, is, statement. Well, it's, it's just, you've brought a lot of personal bias to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm curious, how does the book help with anti-racist approach uh, mentality? Well, so she, she has some interesting definitions. So um, sexism is the belief that one gender is superior to the other and therefore entitled to um, treat the other with difference and uh, dominate dominate them. And racism is the concept that one race is better than the other and giving permission to dominate the other race in, in various conscious or unconscious ways. So, but her basic premise is that if, you know, sort of, um, if any of us are treated unequally, all of us are treated unequally. There can no, there can be no equality if even one of us is treated with inequality. Cool. And so, what was the book again? Because it sounds very interesting. A sister outsider, and it's a it's a book of poems and speeches and essays by Audrey Lord L O R D E. Wonderful. Yeah. All so, right. So 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 lighthearted reading for Michelle. But I, I really am working on this concept of, of being a very, um, very conscientious anti-racist. It's hard to grow up in America as a white person and not have unconscious bias built in to everything we've learned and all yeah. of our presumptions and our stories. Good so we you. need, we need help you. jarring appla- ourselves I, I, out of that. I applaud the journey. I applaud it. All right. Um, let's move into today's show. And I don't know, Michelle, if you remember how we came up with this. Actually, you came up with it. Oh, I was probably talking to you about how Brian, my partner, is a really good chef and um, yeah. does most of the cooking. And I and, and the more cooking he does, the less skilled I am. So I've been taking it on myself to learn um, how to be a better cook. And you told okay. me that you were ordering 
Oh yes. The the pre pay uh, the the pre packaged. Um, uh-huh. pe- well, I, I hate to call it prepackaged because I guess it is, but it's pre-portioned <laughs> pre-portioned. Meals. And then mm-hmm. you have to put it, you have to be the cook and yes. you actually have to use the stuff. Right. So you, you know, we have no affiliation with them, but you might have heard of HelloFresh or Home Chef or Blue Apron. There's a ton of them out there. But basically what they do is they put all the ingredients separately in a bag and send it to you. And then you have to cook the meal. So you, it's a little more expensive than, you know, grocery shopping in bulk, but you also have a lot less waste, you know, so let's say your recipe calls for two teaspoons of cilantro. Well, you're going to go out and get a bushel of cilantro. And if you don't make a bunch of stuff that requires cilantro, some of that cilantro is going to go to waste because you only needed two tablespoons for that one recipe. And, you know, it comes in a bunch and I love cilantro. It's a shame to let cilantro go to waste. (laughs) <laughs> so you've so been what, you you've been cooking yes i have been using um home chef is the one i'm experimenting with at the time and people have heard me rave about gordon ramsay i watched the cooking shows and um I, I i envisioned myself someday in one of those kitchens i am nowhere near that quality but but yes. i can i can dice with the best of them without cutting oh, my finger you. off without cutting my finger off that's impressive um and uh so we we wanted to share things mm-hmm. we've learned in the kitchen that can yes. be applied to life in general. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to let Michelle do most of the show, but I'm okay. going to share before we end, <laughs> I want to just get in there. The biggest lesson I've learned at all of all. Okay. And that's okay. that um, the dogs have been fed. Don't believe when they lie to you and tell you they haven't. And they sit in the kitchen with you and they beg for the food you're cooking. <laughs> I have also heard the same to be true of cats. The cats have been fed. Don't believe them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I wanted to start off like the life lesson with a big one. It's a quote from Julia Child, a favorite in our home. The only real stumbling block, I think in life, that's my ad- addition, is fear of failure. And in cooking, you've got to have a what the hell attitude. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And I think that's true about life, right? That a real stumbling block in life is our fear of failure. And sometimes we have to have a what the hell attitude. Like I will often talk about, you know, I don't presume to have all of the answers in life. And I find myself throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. (laughs) Like I try a bunch of different things and And that's just because our bodies are different. Our desires, our values, our wants are all different. So what will work for a human to find their own happiness and strength and growth is different from one person to another, right? So, so we just need to try a bunch of stuff and say like, okay, what the hell, let me try this. Well, and I love that. And I I do love that as well. So you started with Julia Child. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, grew up watching on TV. Oh, um, that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> I love this quote from Gordon Ramsay. Uh-huh. And that's, believe in what you were doing. Find your bollocks. <laughs> Find your bollocks or your balls. Or, or yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, or and your lady balls. I think a lot of it is just, confidence in the kitchen it's like yeah. i'm going to do that now that Believe said you're doing yeah that, that said 
I think all of us have attempted at one point to follow a recipe. Yes. Have you learned that you can get all the all the best ingredients can be there for you? Yes. But sometimes there's a proper order in which to cook them. Yes, correct. Yes. I have sadly learned this. And I have also made a lot of mistakes. So following the recipe, you know, there are steps like there's certain times when you reuse one pan to create a sauce. And if you don't use that same pan and you miss that on the recipe, you're not going to get the depth of flavor when you're creating your sauce in a brand new pan uh, when you needed it to have the flavors of what was cooked in it before. So sometimes even just the simplicity of, of making sure you're using the pan that they're telling you to, to use is um, makes a big difference in your sauciness of life. That's a good point. I never actually thought about that. Um, mm -hmm. so, so the one thing that I'll add, and given the fact that we've got this podcast and I've got my mastermind group on, so I've got this on Mondays, mastermind group on Tuesdays. I usually do coaching on Wednesdays and, you know, just, it's that kind of scheduling. Oh. Um, and depending on when my start time is, yes. I've been known to throw a frozen breakfast into the microwave, zap it, yes. zap it for two minutes, stir it, and then zap it again for another 30 seconds. Sure. However, yes. folks, I'm going to tell you my one of the things I've learned. Real food takes time. You stole one from my, oh, did my I? repertoire. I totally agree, right? Like, you know, you use the microwave when you need to. Yes. Yeah. But real food, real relationships take time. Real connection takes time. You know, real growth takes time. It's not microwavable. And there's, there's an art. I'm going to just call it this. There's an art to... I'll do breakfast in the morning, right? The dogs yeah. will sit there because they know they're going to get, I like scrambled egg whites, always have. And the dogs know they're going to get scrambled egg whites. And they'll sit there and they'll they'll do other things. And I've learned to time the hash browns and the sausage and yes. the, you know, right? You have to do that. And there's a, there's a it's a learned art form, right? You yes. can't just say, go cook this stuff. And no. it all, it all magically comes out at the right time. No, um, there is, you know, you don't put the toast in right away. You don't, whatever you're doing. So mm -hmm. I've learned that timing is important too. Absolutely. I agree with you. Timing, you know, if you don't watch your timing, you'll be uh, still cutting vegetables while something's burning on the stove that needed those vegetables to be prepped. Um, there was something that you said about real stuff, real food takes time, like not microwavable. I, I want people to remember that often our fast moving connections, not always, or our fast moving relationships don't often lead to the best outcomes. They're, they're full of a lot of projection and assumptions that you haven't proven or tested. So when I talk to clients, I have a, a dating, dating coaching that I will do. And I will talk to them about how, if you meet someone in December, you don't know how they handle Easter or not, or 4th of July or not, or Labor Day or not, or, you know, it, you just don't know who they are throughout the year. 
if you've just started dating them in December. You need to get to know them over time and develop that connection over time. So that was that was a really important thing about that, um, you know, timing and and not using the microwave and following instructions. So here's here, you know, I've always been kind of a cook that that will improvise and use more of what I like and less of what I don't like in a recipe, right. which is okay in a cooking recipe, but baking. Not so much. Oh, see, now I have never baked, so I can't talk to this. Baking is science mm. and chemistry. Mm. Uh, uh, the wrong amount of baking soda or or baking powder or you know, one time, one time I accidentally misread a recipe and I used, um, <laughs> oh, shoot, uh, I used something syrup, corn syrup instead of corn starch. Now, if you know corn starch, it thickens something, okay? It adds some sweetness, but it thickens things. And if you know corn syrup, it definitely sweetens things, but it flattens them. So I was making these little puffy cookies trying to emulate my grandmother and um, <laughs> these little puffy shortbread cookies, and they came out like flattened shortbread hockey pucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... So it reminded me in life that, that, you know, sometimes you do need to pay attention to chemistry. There has to be chemistry between you and those you love or you and the work that you do or you and baking. Do not ignore chemistry. That's my life lesson. Well, that brings me then to what I was going to talk about. And that okay, is, <laughs> I like burnt food. Oh, Okay. And I will tell you, I don't, I, I really burnt toast my bacon. Matter of fact, I have the periodically, I love going out to breakfast or having, if we're away somewhere, yeah. uh, if I'm doing a speaking gig, I just love breakfast in my room. I just, oh. it, it's right. It's delightful. It's delightful. And uh, I have on at least two occasions at one of our little uh, diners in town. I have on two occasions had the manager walk by, look at my plate mm -hmm. and say, I am so sorry. I'll take care of that. Take my plate away without. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. Because I have told, I've told the waiter, uh -huh. I want the bacon well done. I want my egg whites scrambled well done. Well done. I want everything well, well done. done. Which is not and And by the, the way, average. if it's burned. If it's burnt toast, even better. I'll tip you higher. <laughs> and like on two occasions, a, a manager has come by and said, "Oh, you can't eat that." Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's so kind. <laughs> and so not every, but not every. I think, by the way, that burnt food enhances taste for me. For whatever <laughs> weird that is, I say that because someone else's mistake or perceived problem uh -huh. might not be a problem. Uh, it might not be. Yes. Yes, that's that's a very good life lesson that, you know, we're each our own and your perceived problems may not be true for other people. <laughs> so were you, were you were you a picky eater growing up? Because I was. Yes, I was. And I'm not now. But yes, exactly. I had a lot of weird like I didn't like a lot of things. Exactly. So I was I was known as mm -hmm. a very problem eater as a child. And I remember distinctly my grandfather on my 
dad's side yelling at me any number of times when I was at the house, you will finish everything on your plate. You will eat all this, right? They grew out of the depression. So everything, right. It's like you clean your plate off and I I would, I would hide things. I would take it off my plate and hide it so they couldn't. (laughs) And as a result of that, there, I just was a very, very picky eater. Mm -hmm. Um, And you and I have grown out of that. And I think a lot of it for me was, uh, I think by being involved in the cooking process mm-hmm. and actually committing yourself to an, to um, what's the word I want to use, expanding your palate. Yes, yes. You realize, oh my God, that actually tastes good. Now there are some I foods. Know. There are some foods that are never going to pass these lips. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> but but I really have expanded. I'm I'm not a picky eater anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say I'm not a picky eater. In fact, I. One of the joys of living in Southern California is being exposed to international foods in a way that uh, you don't always have in every every city. So uh, Vietnamese, Ethiopian, um, South African, uh, authentic Chinese, authentic Mexican, um, yeah. Guatemalan food, you know, it's just things things you wouldn't get exposed to. You've got people family recipes being passed down through restaurants and opening up their family recipes to people that want to enjoy the food and the culture. So I really, I really love that, which is that food like travel can expand your mind and, and trying new things can help you grow. Yeah. So one, one of our listeners just wrote and said, can you handle another person in the kitchen while you're cooking? Uh-huh. The lesson from cooking together is communication and teamwork. Yes. Um, again, I will, t- you know, I can tell you that on, I, I don't play well with others. I just tell you that right now. Um, but I'm also, you realize when you cook certain foods, stir fry, for example, when I'm doing that, that it's the prep work yes. that you know, another hand in the kitchen can help. I yes. want to actually do the cooking. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, that said, I certainly am mostly, say, how am I hedging all this? I'm mostly open to communication and teamwork in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, I, I think you bring up a really good point, which is my answer would be yes, if there's good communication and clarity. So what I what I don't enjoy in the kitchen is unsolicited advice about what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> but yeah. I like when someone asks me, um, hey, do you want a tip? Like Brian taught me a couple really cool tips over the last few weeks, just because he approached it so differently. He didn't come up to me and go, why are you chopping the vegetables like that? He's like, hey, do you want a tip? Like this knife works better if you do this. And if you put two of them together, it chops even fast. And I was like, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread. Um, and when he, when he's cooking, I love to be his sous chef. So if he's like, chop that for me or get that. So I usually go around and clean the kitchen while he's cooking. And I, I try to prep for him if he's, if he needs it or he wants it. And when he offers to prep for me, like the vegetables, they take so long. I really love it. So I think it makes it, uh, kind of fun and sexy in a relationship to cook together. Well, I, so interesting (laughs) that you say that because I, um, have had uh, the benefit uh, of some of our our kids' friends are chefs. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. They're just chefs. That's so nice. Right? 
Um, and I will tell you to the last person, what makes me crazy mm -hmm. is how messy they are cooking. It's oh. like, because when I cook, I, here's, here's Scott's rule of life. It's your mess. You clean it up, right? You make a mess, you clean it up and you do it as you go along. You don't wait for the mess to, to pile up. Uh -huh. And I, and it makes me crazy watching some of these, these, I'm going to call them kids because of my age, watching mm -hmm. some of these young adults cook. And it's marvelous cooking. The food is presented wonderfully. It's got this, you know, your palate is expanded. And mm -hmm. I look at the, I look at everything piled in the, in the, the sink, kitchen, in the sink. And it's like, who the hell's going to clean that up? Cause it's not going <laughs> to be me. <laughs> well, sadly in my family of origin, the rule was whoever cooks, the other people clean. And so I'm oh. so used to being the cleaner. My mom was the cook. And, and yet I shared that rule with Brian. And sometimes I swear I feel like he like throws flour in the air. <laughs> and he literally does flow, throw flour in the air. Like he lifts it up and he he's dusting the pizza dough. Like if there's a technique that he's using, but sometimes I feel like he just... <laughs> You know, stuff all over the place. So Michelle has to clean up anywhere. But that does bring me to a life lesson in the kitchen because I'm kind of more like you, Scott. If the recipe allows for some downtime while the flavors are, you know, I tend to clean up after myself as I go. So it's a cleaner cleanup. Um, but the kitchen has really shown me more and more that disorder brings disorder mm -hmm. and clean is calm. So if you, if you put everything in place, like the ingredients and the equipment before you begin, it helps you move more quickly and efficiently. It helps you avoid some disasters, like, you know, overcooking something while you're still prepping and chopping another. And I think that's true about life. Like you were saying earlier about organizing your closet, that when things are organized and clean, it just helps your brain work faster. You're not running around the kitchen going, oh, where's this? And you know, creating a lot of chaos that might cause you in life to be angry or irritated or overwhelmed with other people around you. Well, that, that kind of, as you were talking, two things popped in my head. One is the planning, right? You plan for the meal. You don't just suddenly, hey, I'm just going to show up and do this. I, I've watched <laughs> my wife cook and sometimes it's a half a day process, right? Mm -hmm. And if, and that said, the, the other thing is, I'm a big believer in life, as in the kitchen, that presentation matters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Um, I'm I'm very visual. Now we've we've talked before. You can give me the best presentation, and I will eventually smush it all together. I don't oh, compartmentalize oh, food. You, food. You push all your food together. Okay. Uh -huh. I do the same thing, by the way, in in life. Right. Everything. It's the presentation. It's the order. It's the clarity. Mm -hmm. It's the focus. I think that's all important for the end receiver, mm -hmm. like our listeners. We're giving them compartmentalized episodes that they right. listen to. But right. in Scott's brain, in that little mishmash of a cook inside my head, <laughs> you know, it's all smushed together. It's all smushed together. It's all about keeping your shit together. There you go. <laughs> so what do you think about the statement or the life lesson you get what you pay for? I'm a big believer in that. Do you do you think oh, there's absolutely. exception? I'm, I know. Yes, we can talk I think about there are exceptions rules. with cooking. 
Okay. So Let's if I go to in. cost, if I go to Costco, for example, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am going to get a better price per pound or price per ounce or price per object. The uh -huh. problem is the waste involved in it. If it doesn't exactly. save. So, yeah. you know, so it's, I, I am a big believer in quality and I am uh -huh. a big believer in you get what you pay for. I have uh -huh. always even valued my own services uh, mm -hmm. that way. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm not for everybody and I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Right. Right. And I know I'm not affordable to, to some people and, right. but I'm worth it. It's right. It's not just the perceived value. It's Scott's value right. for myself. I, there's a difference, at least I've noticed in the taste of everything from wine to rice to yeah. Um, so, some of the salads that we get, because we, we rather than doing, we sometimes do prepackaged salads. Sometimes we do, they're just a difference uh -huh. and you pay for it, especially now. Now mm -hmm. that said, I, look, as we go into a new economic phase and the cost of eggs is like crazy. I know it's I'm at the point and I use egg whites, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm doing, I'm doing pre-bottled packaged egg whites rather than separating okay. them out and losing all the yolk, uh, I'm looking for the least expensive option yeah. while not sacrificing quality. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, come on, folks, there's if, if you've done it, and Michelle, I know you can attest to this, mm -hmm. there is nothing like going into a first class restaurant, a Michelin mm -hmm. star restaurant. Mm -hmm. You're going to pay for it. Yeah, you will. And it's everything from the wine to the appetizers mm -hmm. to the, you know, you name it, you're going to pay for it. But my God, does it taste good. Right. I think the challenge I have is, you know, be, again, because I've traveled different places or, you know, there's some mm. street foods and like street taco carts and street foods that are different, but just as delightful for a fraction of the cost of Absolutely. what you, you know, or they did this, they, they've done some wine tastings. I don't think it's true anymore, but at one point, do you remember when two buck check at Trader Joe's, which was like the two ninety nine dollars of, of wine, like won a taste test? Well, I'm going to, I think I've said this to you guys before. Uh -huh. um, I, for medicinal purposes, and then the advice of my doctor, I have a I have a glass of that's right. red, red wine every night for the yes. re, the reversatrol that's in it. Yes, yes. And um, it's three fingers of wine. Honest to God, it's measured at three fingers. I, I've I've done <laughs> it all is the, the research. medicinal purpose. And I've realized that Pinot Noir has fewer calories and more benefits than other red wines. So I'm oh, not a okay. wine snob, but I will tell you what I've discovered. And Good. again, it it took a friend of one of our kids. You know, here I am doing, I love Mayomi, for example. Uh -huh. uh, it just, it, there's a taste to it that I love. Uh -huh. But it's just Scott. I, I'm the only one. And the bottles of wine don't last that long. I've tried everything from the, the little, you know, gizmos that pull the air out of it to uh -huh. you name it. I've tried it. And the wine just doesn't last that long in a bottle. Uh -huh. I've moved on to boxed wines and it tastes really good because <laughs> you, you can get these box wines and the way they're packaged, they'll last longer. They last longer. Okay. So there's a great example. So that's Again, an exception. With my palate though, I don't yeah. pretend to be a wine snob. I'm not I either. I, I'm doing this for health reasons. Yeah. Um, and the reality, the reality is 
I'm not sure there there's a good example of uh, you're the the you get what you pay for doesn't equate to that because I'm yeah, also yeah as long as the the quality is good right I'm I'm all about value right yeah I think I think the the value per quality is what I look for uh, in in everything even the humans in my life. You know, like well, what, is the, yeah. what is the value and quality of this human? <laughs> life's too life's too short for bad wine. Like, do I have to pay a lot for this relationship? Because that doesn't sound so great. Um, but yes, in general, I would say that you know the quality and value um, are a, a big important part of life, and being mindful of both are an important part of life. And then. Um, I think my my last one that I wanted to bring up because I want to save time for yours, Scott, is uh, portion control, right? This uh. is, you know, and portion control in cooking can mean, you know, do you oversalt things or, you know, how spicy do you make it? Um, the, you know, know your heat tolerance, for instance, like some people like a lot of spice and others a lot less and being able to tell people, when life is getting too spicy for you, or there's too much heat on you, or you're feeling uneasy is the only way to get to know each other's palate, each other's sense of ability to tolerate stress. And, and it's, it's important. So uh, portion control is not just about the portion on your plate, but it's ever, it's all the ingredients. How, how much spice, how much herb do you put in it? How much lemon you know, can you overload other people because you're not paying attention to portion control? Um, yeah, so the, those are a couple, but I think, uh, oh, I forgot my, my favorite one is you can't make everybody happy. So stop trying. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I'm listening to you and trying to figure out where, where I'm going to go. I've got, uh, one, if not two more that I, I want to share. And okay. the, the, the first one is, as we talk about creating in the kitchen, this is all yeah. fine. It's all fine and dandy. Yeah. Sometimes in life, you just want comfort food. Yes, sure. And it's okay. Sometimes you cook for the feeling that it brings, yeah. not for anything else. Yep. Yep. Right. That's absolutely it, it's like true. If I get sick. Uh -huh. I want chicken noodle soup. I grew yeah. up with that. Yep. Me too. And I, I mean, real chicken soup, right? The, yep. the, um, I, I remember my grandmother making that. I, remember, yep. you know, my wife makes it for me if I get sick, mm -hmm. things like that. So uh, comfort is okay to be part of the equation in the kitchen. Mm. And then the, the last thing before I ask a question, the last thing uh, I find it better that when you're doing this stuff, that food, that kind of food needs to be shared. Uh, I yes. hate eating alone. Yeah. I'm not inspired to cook just for myself to be exactly unless I'm testing out a recipe, but I'm inspired to cook for people I love. Um, exactly. Well, because I will tell you left to my own devices, sometimes I will just go take a, a microwavable dinner if I'm by uh -huh. myself. A very simple meal if it's for Just me. Boom, get it out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and and it's different when you're cooking with purpose for someone else involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
So, all right, before we end this, and I had mentioned this early on in the show, I'm going to ask a question and... Uh, and one of the listeners just wrote cooking for yourself and spoiling yourself is self-care. I agree a hundred percent. So true. So and there true. are times when I will do that. Um, yes. my, my challenge is portion control <laughs> when I'm cooking just for me. Right. Right. Especially if you're used to cooking for four or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm just curious, Michelle, are there, and I'll start off. Okay. Are there some foods you will not eat? Are there yes. something... Like for example, it's cottage cheese is never passing these lips. Oh, ever, really? Ever, ever. It's even not going to ever. Even in my famous Starbucks eggy bites replication, never, because they're amazing. You wouldn't even know there's cottage cheese in them. If I'm you told, make them for you. If you told me that it was in there, it would. Be I wouldn't a, tell you. Well, You'll so forget. People, so I can't do sour cream either. Oh wow! We have and different I, palates. And I don't do sauces on anything. I don't put <gasps> gravy on my, pot- I don't do sauces, period. Are you kidding? Ryan no. is becoming the saucier. I'm a, we're big sauce people. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just curious. And I, and I actually, but yes, don't. I do have one food that will not cross my lips and you're going to make fun of me. Avocado. Oh, it took me a long time. To, I to, do not like a, avocado. I will tell you. <laughs> um, I was, I was right there with you along with bananas, by the way, I used to say bananas oh. were God's joke. Um, <laughs> and it took, it actually took my wife explaining to me the benefits of avocado, particularly avocado toast, putting avocado on it instead of butter. That it's like, it flipped that whole mindset and now we have an avocado tree. So I know you do gross. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to share it with you sometime. It's really good. I, I, I fr- You've had guacamole I have, though, I haven't have heard, you? Nope. You won't do chips and guacamole? Nope. But you'll eat cottage cheese. Yes. And sour cream. And there's things wrong with you. <laughs> I accept your viewpoint. Okay. I accept yours. <laughs> and I, I don't love walnuts because they have an after, a bitterness aftertaste. Mm-hmm. So I don't love them. I will avoid them, but they're not a, like, I will not order that dish if there's walnuts in it. I, I just avoid them generally. So do you know that that walnuts, do you notice they look like brains, little tiny brains? Yes. So, they're bra- so do, it's brain uh, food. Pecans. It's brain food. Sure. But I eat blueberries. Okay. That and the antioxidants from that are cool. <laughs> And, oh, and you know what? By the way, that this brings up one final oil. thing. I, that <laughs> one final thing. All of you listening, you know, when, when we cook in the kitchen, mm-hmm. the idea is not to use empty calories, right? Not to, right, not right. to waste that. Um, and for a long time, I'll be very transparent. I was drinking four to five cans of Mountain Dew a day. Ooh. Okay. That's a and lot of I, sugar. I, it's a sugar and it's caffeine and it's yeah. right. And uh, I cut it when I discovered the, the unhealthiness of that. Yeah. Um, I literally cut out soda entirely. Yeah. And so yeah. I invite all of you to examine your own eating mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. find out what is, what are empty calories and, and again, no affiliation with the book and there's now a website for it, but I really 
dove into the uh, eat this, don't eat that book, mm. uh, where you mm. can go onto the website. And if you're e eating one thing, it'll say, you don't eat that, eat this instead. And it gives you replacements. Mm. It's a very healthy way mm. of looking at it. Mm. For, for those of you out there that need a few <clears throat> tools, like you tuned in and you know, you're, you're like, oh, I have challenges with eating and one way or the other, restricting, overdoing, binging, whatever that is. I recommend a couple psychology books to you. Um, one of them is, is Fat is a Family Affair, which is about um, eating disorders and their basis in, in family of origin. And my good colleague, Julie Simon, in fact, I should have Julie come on one time. Oh, she, that would be fun. She wrote the Emotional Eating Toolkit and When Food is Comfort. So those are those are great um, uh, resources for those. There's a ton out there, but those are a couple of really good resources that may be helpful to you. Wonderful. All right. That brings this show to an end next week. Yes. Next week. I'm going to leave this as a teaser and not explain it. Uh, okay. But but the, the title for next week's show is, are you an innie or an outie? And we're, we're going <laughs> to and, we're and gonna... it was a it was a request from one of our listeners. So we're going we're gonna to we're going to leave it at that. It will be a fun show next week. Uh, that'll be on the 30th. And I want to thank everybody uh, for being with us today. Again, re please remember to like, subscribe and share this podcast on your favorite platform uh, so that uh, Michelle and I can continue to navigate life one episode at a time. <laughs> awesome. Thank you all for being here. Bye bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.